You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. Uh, well, good morning. My name is Josh Anderson, and I uh, get to serve as the youth pastor here uh, at New Life. Uh, I see a lot of new faces, which is which is incredible. Um, so many new faces here uh, this morning. Uh, but I am not usually the guy up here. Um, we do have our lead pastor, Brad, who is running around somewhere in the church. Um, but I get to, to preach here this morning. It's been a minute. So I'm super, super excited to, to be back up here. Um, but I wanted to start today... Um, by just telling you the story of a company that started back in 1996. On July 5th, 1996, this little company took root, and the goal for them was to sell uh, books online. So they sold um, books, uh, textbooks, normal reading books, all sorts of just books. What they sold online, so kind of this new thing going forward, online sales, e-commerce, something different. And they kind of started to pave the way for this. Um, But the, the founder, the CEO, the owner of this company, he didn't want to just sell books. He wanted to go um, further than that. He wanted to kind of get into more areas than just books on the e-commerce market. Uh, He wanted to sell um, a little bit of everything on one business platform, on one website, um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it turns out that wanting to sell a little bit of everything turned into selling a lot of everything. And so that company today we know as Amazon, yes. So Amazon, obviously, this trillion-dollar company that is probably at your doorstep right now. I know for sure that they are at our pastor's doorstep. It is not because of Sam. It is because of Brad, just so we all know. <laughs> Addicted to Amazon. Um, but Amazon, this huge, huge company that we know today, started off as a little, small company just selling books. And did you know that when Amazon first started, um, they actually would have a little bell that would ring in their office every time they made a sale? So after someone put on an order, a little bell would ring, and all the employees would actually run over to the computer and see if they knew who just made the order. Like That's how small the company was. Like, man, could you imagine if they still did that today? You'd probably have a headache walking in their their office. Um, But at some point, at some point along the way, Amazon had to go from this small company just selling books to the trillion-dollar company that it is today, right? And so I think this happened for kind of two main reasons um, as I was studying and looking through Amazon, um, their history. Number one, I think, um, is, is Jeff Bezos and uh, the team, they, they were committed to working and caring for the company. Um, Bezos worked 75-plus hours a week when he first started Amazon. And he would ask all of his employees to actually work 60 hours a week when he first started Amazon. And they did because they knew what Amazon could be. They actually cared so much about the, the vision of, of where Amazon was headed that they were okay with working the 60 hours a week. I'm sure they probably had some rough weeks, but um, they were cool with working those hours because they knew what it could become. They cared about the business. The second thing is that um, Jeff Bezos, he had a very clear direction of where they were supposed to go. He really wanted to make sure that that Amazon didn't stop at just selling books. He wanted to do everything. 
he was, from the very beginning, planning on expanding and going into all new sorts of territories, right? All of a sudden, now he's selling um, books, but he's also selling everything else that's on Amazon, right? A to Z. So uh, he had a very clear direction of he wanted to sell and dominate the e-commerce market one day. And so that's what, obviously, they are doing now. Um, but that wouldn't happen if they, if they didn't expand and, and make new business partners and sell new things. And did you know, did you know that we get to do these same two things with God's temple? We get to participate in caring for God's temple. We get to participate in the expansion of God's temple, of God's presence here on earth. Like every single one of us in this room gets to do that. Uh, man, what a huge, huge honor that is. Um, but before we dive into our text here this morning, we'll be in, in Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to take a minute and just, uh, just say a word of prayer, and then we'll, we'll dive into the text. God, again, just, just thank you for who you are. Just thank you for um, being so good to us. And God, this morning we just ask, um, as we dive into your word and we get to study um, your temple, God, that um, we would just be changed people as we leave here, that we would um, care for and, and expand your temple each and every day. So God, we love you. We, get, we commit this time to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you do have your Bible, um, you can turn to Genesis chapter 2. Um, otherwise, it will be up on the screen. But Genesis chapter 2, we'll be starting in verse 8. It says this, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Skipping down a few verses to 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Cool. So before we get moving forward here, before we uh, keep going, uh, I just want to make sure that we are all on the same page. Everybody in the room, everybody watching online, that we're all on the same page of what I mean when I say God's temple. So God's temple, um, man, if I say the word temple, the first thing that probably comes to your mind, maybe not, um, but it's probably this big building with these um, you know, stone rock cylinders and maybe like some steps up to these huge doors. Um, that's, you know, what a temple would be. But when I am referring to God's temple today, um, we're actually going to be talking about just simply the place where God dwells, the place where we get to experience and meet with God. It's where God um, decides to uh, meet with his people. So it's not just a building, but it's where God dwells. It's where his people get to meet with him. All good. We're all on the same page now. So uh, let's, let's keep moving here. Um, so, uh, in our text, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God creates the world, right? He creates humanity. He creates everything on this earth. Um, and then he creates uh, this place called Eden. And in Eden, there is a garden within Eden. So, um, this garden within Eden is actually our first ever temple because that is where God decides to dwell. God dwells in the Garden of Eden. So, that is our first ever temple where God gets to meet with his people. Or actually, actually, rather, the people get to meet with their God. And so um, what's cool here, though, is that God does 
actually bring Adam. It says he brings Adam. He brought Adam into the garden. Um, but Adam wasn't um, supposed to just get to the garden and just chill and relax and put his feet up on the, the trees and, you know, hang out. Um, but he was actually supposed to work and cultivate and, and garden and other garden words, uh, photosynthesis and... You get it. So sweet. So he has to work and, and, and do these things for the ground, for the garden, right? Um, and so uh, he is, he's doing all these things and making sure that the garden is growing and, and being kept up and, 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 and growing. And, and, um, and it's kind of cool that God asked Adam to participate in caring for the garden. Like God asked Adam to actually... Um, work the ground, work inside of God's temple to work on the temple of God, the place where God actually dwells with humanity. And I believe that we are called to do the same thing today. We, as, as God's people, are called to care for God's temple. And we're going to talk about this later. I'm going to spoil the end of my message right now, but um, eventually the, the temple of God is, is moved from um, you know, a physical location, like a garden, and eventually it's, it's now, currently, in living inside of humanity, living inside of God's people is where God's temple is now. So if God's temple, if the place where he dwells, his presence, where we get to experience God's presence, is in humanity, in his people, man, we are supposed to care for and serve God's people, his temple, so I'm going to ask just a few questions. And how, how are you, how am I caring for humanity, God's temple? How are you caring for this single mom that has three kids and is struggling paycheck to paycheck? How are you caring for your uncle that seems to have it all together? And maybe he does have it all together, and that's what it looks like. How are you caring for him? How are you caring for God's temple? How are you caring for that alcoholic that lives down the street from you? and is, is abusing his wife. How are you caring for, for that man? How are you caring for God's temple? How are you caring for the homeless man that you pass every day on your way to work who, who, who doesn't know where his next meal is going to come from? How do you care for the wealthy businessman that you know that you're like, man, he is so stuck up. But man, how do you care for that person? Because at the end of the day, he is the temple of God. He is where God's presence dwells. When I think about people who, in my life, who have done such a good job at serving and caring for God's temple, I, I can't help but think of this man named Tommy. Um, Tommy was the facilities director up at Kentwood Community Church, uh, obviously up in Kentwood. Um, I used to uh, go there as a student, and um, then I interned up there um, after I graduated high school. I uh, interned in the youth group there. Um, and Tommy... I, you know, I always walked, and I always knew who Tommy was. I always saw him. Um, I just thought, you know, he's just, he's there to clean up stuff and collect a paycheck, right? Like that's, that's what he was doing. Just, it was just a job. But it wasn't until I interned at Kentwood and was in a staff meeting, and there was this, like, just a few short sentences that Tommy said during one of our staff meetings that, and it really changed the way I looked at Tommy, and it, it helped me reflect on my own, my own personal life. But Tommy just talked about why he did what he did. And it wasn't just a collective paycheck. He wasn't there just to, just to you know, make a living. Um, obviously, that was one of the reasons he was there. But um, bigger than that, Tommy was there to serve God's people. Tommy was there to take care of 
God's temple, his people. Um, and, I, and as I reflected on that, I really had to you know, examine my own self as the, the 20-year-old hotshot that I was going to be a pastor one day. It's like, man, am I, do I feel like I'm too good to clean up the youth group messes that we, we were making, you know, spaghetti on the walls? Was I too good to, to, to clean that up? And was I, was I so focused in on myself that I, I wouldn't care for, serve people that I disagreed with or people that, were, that I thought were further ahead in life? Would I really not take care of and serve those people? Because at the end of the day, they are God's temple. They are a place where God, we, we experience God. So, man, we are called to serve and care for God's temple. So going back to our scripture here, our passage on this morning in Genesis 2. Um, so Adam is, is working and cultivating and photosynthesizing the ground, right? Um, but as he's doing all these things to the ground, um, it's suggested that um, he's not only just like taking care of it so it's like maintained, but it also would have been expanding. That the garden in Eden would have actually been reaching new places and growing and getting bigger, um, which, is, which is super cool. And so what would have happened is, is as the garden is expanding, as the garden is getting bit bigger physically, so too would have God's presence. Right? God's presence would have been expanding and getting bigger. And, and we could have, as humanity, been able to start to feel the Lord's presence and understand the Lord's presence in new places. Because, man, God's presence is not something that was meant to be contained, but to be ever-expanding. God's presence wasn't supposed to stay within the garden forever, but it was supposed to move into new places and move into new spaces where, where as humanity, and we could start to feel God's presence over here and over here and over here, and that's what God's presence is supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be ever expanding. See, in the Old Testament, um, so the first half of our Bible, um, we just read that God's presence was in the garden, right? So that's where God's presence started. We, we get to feel God's presence in the garden. And then it moves to this, uh, it's called the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was this, like, basically this big box that God told the Israelites to build. And so they built this big box, and they would bring it wherever they went. They traveled for miles and miles and miles in the wilderness. And that's where God's presence dwelled inside this box. And that's where they could feel God's presence th- the thickest was in this, um, this uh, Ark of the Covenant. And then the Ark of the Covenant actually was put into what we would think of as the temple, right? So the, the building temple that they built. And it was placed right in the center of the temple and in this place called the Holy of Holies. And then that is where God's presence was the thickest and the most heaviest, was right in this um, the temple in the Holy of Holies. And so the people, the Israelites, they would come from all over, the, all over the place. They would come to the temple to pray, to worship, to uh, make sacrifices, to hear uh, the scripture read. Why did they come to the temple? Because that's where they could feel God's presence was in the temple. Right? God's presence is, is everywhere, but man, they could feel God's presence in the temple because that's where God's presence was made known, was in the temple. But, like we just talked about, we just talked about this, right? There was just a slide. We, we, uh, God's, God's presence wasn't um, supposed to stay in a physical location forever. It wasn't supposed to be contained, but it was supposed to be ever-expanding. 
And so, this man who you've probably heard of before, his name is Jesus, he came and he changed everything. And just like Jesus always does, always did, Jesus changed everything, everything about the temple. See, there was this curtain or a veil um, that was that separated the Holy of Holies, so the place where the Ark of the Covenant was, the place where God dwelled, and the rest of the, the uh, temple. So this big, thick, just huge curtain uh, separated these two places. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus died, this, this uh, veil, this curtain was torn in two from the top down. Like, impossible. Like, it, it was thick, but it tore in two from the top down. And this was a physical representation of what was actually happening spiritually. Right Now, all of a sudden, God's presence is not contained to this room. Right, This curtain is now ripped and gone. The God's presence is not contained to this room. We can't only just feel God's presence in this room. But now, God's presence can be felt in all of creation. God's presence can be felt in all of specifically humanity and specifically in God's people. And that is why... We are now God's temple. As believers in Jesus, we are now God's temple. We are where his presence is the heaviest. And so because you and you and you and myself, we are all God's temple now, and that gives us this great responsibility, right? this, this huge responsibility. But um, not only is it like this huge, great responsibility of like, man, it is, it is tough and it's going to be hard, but, man, it is so worth it every single time um, that, that we get to do this responsibility. And um, so as the church, we're called to do two things regarding um, God's temple. Um, number one is care for it, right? Just like Adam cared for the ground and cultivated the ground in the garden, we are supposed to be doing the same thing for the temple. We're supposed to care for it. And so that looks, to me, two different ways. Number one is we are caring for our actual, like, physical bodies. Like, as God's temple, like, this is God's temple. Like, all, you are all God's temple. We're supposed to care for our physical bodies, right? By um, eating clean, right? Like, eating good foods. Obviously, we want to enjoy foods, too. I, I love a good cosmic brownie every once in a while, but, um, but eating good foods for, for the most part, right? And, and exercising. Um, you got to exercise. I just went to title boxing. Don't recommend that, though. 24-year-old man right here, and I can barely walk. So, but we're supposed to, we're supposed to exercise, right, and, um, and, and eat clean, but also keep our bodies uh, sexually pure, right? God gives us a, a specific design for sexuality, and we're supposed to, as the temple of God, keep our bodies sexually pure as well. But we also have to remember, though, we, like Brad, Pastor Brad was up here last week talking about how even though, you know, we have... We don't like what it says on the scale. Even though we made mistakes in the past, it doesn't take away that you are made in the image of God, though. So uh, make sure to remember that as well. Um, so number one, we're called to take care of our bodies physically. Um, but secondly, we are called to take care of our relationships with one another. One another right? Because you and you and you and you are also the temple of God. We're called to maintain and keep relationships with one another. Just like, um, again, Adam was caring for the ground we care for relationships. But this is a challenge, though. This is a huge challenge because, um, again, the, the temple was a garden, right? The temple was a building. The temple was the Ark of the Covenant. But now, 
to temples and humanity. And what do buildings and gardens and arcs don't do? They don't argue. They don't fight. They don't disagree. They don't butt heads. But humans, we argue and fight and butt heads and disagree. Um, so, man, this is a, this is a tough problem. Um, but, man, it is so, so critically important that we um, take care of our relationships and, and, and apologize and love one another when we need to. So we are called to care for God's temple, right? care for um, his temple, but we are also called to expand God's temple. Or we, don't, we don't want to just let God's temple be, be stationary just in our own life, and I'm going to wrap up like this, and this is it. Note we are called to expand God's temple, be the light of Jesus in dark places, and expand his, his presence, and, and expand where God is felt into new places. So, again, just like as Adam was cultivating the ground and the, the garden was growing out and so was um, God's presence and we could feel God's presence in new spaces and just as Jesus you know, tore that veil and, and God's presence was now not just felt in the Holy of Holies but now it's felt in all of creation and we too are supposed to expand where God's presence can be felt in the world. And I think one of the best ways to show in an unbelieving world or an unbelieving person um, the presence of God is just by simply having faith, I mean, not simply, but um, by having faith in the midst of just a tough, dark season of your life or a tough and dark situation that you might be in. And something, a story that just comes to mind when I think of someone who had Crazy faith in the midst of a tough season or situation was my sister. I mean, see, the, the two, like two years before COVID started, so that was a two-year stretch. Um, she got out of high school, and she went down to school at Indiana Wesleyan. She followed me down there, um, and uh, she was there for one semester. Um, while she was there, man, she had all sorts of depression and anxiety and social anxiety. It was just a really, really tough um, few months for her. Uh, emotionally and, and mentally. Um, and so it got so bad that she actually left Indiana Wesleyan after one semester and went back home, and she, she got a good gig at Meyer and she, she worked there, and she also finished up um, that, that school year going to, to community college um, up in Ypsilanti where my parents lived. Um, but the next year, um, the next school year came around, and she didn't want to just be at community college anymore. She didn't want to just um, be working at Meyer. She wanted to do something new, and so she decided to come back over here to Grand Rapids area. So she went to, it's called the Bridge Street House of Prayer, B-Shop, downtown Grand Rapids. And she served there and she went to school there. Um, and the, the mental health struggles, the anxiety, depression, the social anxiety, that didn't go away. Even though it was the next year, that didn't go away. Um, actually, it, I would say it almost got worse. Um, and, and she started to have these physical problems as well on top of all the, the stuff going on in her mind. Um, she had like she had these kidney stones and all sorts of other problems. I, I don't even know all the problems she had going on in her stomach. And, and she was also training for a half marathon. And as she was running one day, she hurt her foot. And so there was all sorts of just, um, you know, physical problems on top of these emotional problems. But even in this really just really dark, dark season of my sister's life, um, she consistently and faithfully did three things. 
Um, she, you know, she was at school, so she had to read her Bible because she was at school to do this. But, man, she wanted to. She wanted to read God's Word. She wanted to, to grow and learn new things and, and know the promises that God had for her in Scripture. Number two, she was so uh, consistently just in, her, in prayer. And she had a rich prayer life during this time. She was praying for people, praying with people, praying for herself, um, praying just, just always pr- in prayer. And the last thing, the last thing that um, she consistently and faithfully did was she served people. At the Bridge Street House of Prayer, they had um, all sorts of different ministries that they ran um, through this, this school, and they um, served people in this uh, coffee shop each and every day. They had people come into this coffee shop. They, um, my sister would go to the second grade classroom and once a week, and she would, would hang out with these little kids in the, the school downtown Grand Rapids and tutor them and, and help them and um, and she was just serving people. And even in the midst of this, this you know, mental health and, and physical health, she went over to India for two months and served people in India for two months. It was away from home um, in the midst of all this crap that was going on in her life. But man, as I kind of reflect and look back at, at that story and, and that season of her life and kind of where she was and where she went, um, man, I, I will be the first to witness that, man, she grew so much in her relationship with Jesus over this, this two-year span of, of, of darkness. She grew so much, and she was such a light in a dark place of Grand Rapids, of, of just all the sin around, and, and she was just such a light. And showing, man, this is what God's presence can do in the midst of, of a, a really tough, tough season of life. And I can still have joy. I can still serve people. Because, man, this is God's temple. This is where God dwells. This is where you can feel the presence of God. And so she was able to help expand God's presence into new places in Rapids and new places in India. She was able to expand God's presence, expand God's temple because of how she chose to live in the midst of a dark situation. And so, guys, as we close today, as we um, wrap up with one last song, um, I just want you to think about, and how can you um, better care for, you know, God's temple as as your body, God's temple, but how can you also care for your relationships with one another? How can you care for, you know, community, God's temple, as, as not just individually, but with everybody else? How can you care for relationships? Maybe there's a relationship that's just kind of on the rocks with you right now. And how can you, this week, fix things up and care for God's temple that way? And also, man, how can you find new and creative ways to expand God's temple to, to help other people in this dark and hurting world experience the presence of God? So as we sing this last song, think about those two things.